Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Odd Street Boys Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How are you gonna get above it, John? And producer Matt. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek, and I am joined by a new co-host this week. We've got Matt Casey joining the fold. What's going on, Matt? Hey, how we doing? Thanks a lot for having me back. Absolutely, man. I'm glad we can have you back on here to talk some hockey uh, in John's absence this week. Yes, John will not be joining us this week. Cry me a river. Um, but, but no, in reality, you know... We usually start these episodes off uh, talking about performances of the past week, how the team's been doing. Matt, is this even necessary at this point? <laughs> Let's go ahead and skip that. Uh, we, we did not perform well. That's all that we need to know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's still one week left of hockey. It, it feel, You know, it's 80 degrees and beautiful and uh, feels like playoff hockey, only this isn't playoff hockey, you know. No, this is far from playoff hockey. Uh, news was this week that, you know, the Flyers have officially been eliminated. But let's be honest, we all kind of knew that they weren't going to make the playoffs, so we'd already counted them out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been, uh, it, you know, it, it was kind of good to be put out of the memory and be like, okay, like, let's look until, look to, to next season. We still have a week left. And, you know, uh, the one thing that I'm looking for is this coming week, you have back-to-back against Pittsburgh. And, you know, regardless of if the team is up or if the team's down, um, you know, you play Pittsburgh and all bets are off and you know, they're still playing for top seed and we're hoping that uh, we can play at this point, not to get, get embarrassed. But if that doesn't at least strike a chord with this team, then um, you know, we're in, we haven't even hit rock bottom yet. If that happens. Yeah. The one thing the Flyers fans love is making the playoffs. And the second thing they love probably second most is playing spoiler to a division rival like the Penguins if they're in that type of position. So, you know, like you said, this is the measuring stick here. Pens are first place right now, currently, as we are recording. Um, Would be nice to kind of bump them from that first seed because they're not missing the playoffs. But, you know, affect their seeding a little bit. Kind of a last little kick in the shins. Sure. (laughs) You know, why not? (laughs) Why not? Why not? Yeah, but you got them in a, uh, I believe it's a back-to-back, and then you have Washington in a back-to-back to end the week, and then one final game against the goddamn Devils. Um, ugh, God, the team that Wait. just took three of four from the Flyers, just how deflating. <laughs> It, it, it was it was hell in every sense of the of the of the word that we could figure out there, but it's uh, you know. I think we have to look at it from a philosophical standpoint of, hey, there's one week left of hockey until October. Let's try to enjoy it, but damn, Flyers, let's give us something to enjoy here. It makes it so hard to enjoy. And I think, for me at least, the one thing I might enjoy the most out of these next couple games is potentially seeing some of these young guys. Like, I would like to see some of the young guys come up. We've seen the situation in net. It's bad. Uh, Elliot, when you ride him that hard, it, it, it's bad. Carter Hart's out the rest of the year. They shut him down. 
why not bring up a guy like Sandstrom? Bring up some of the kids, you know, on defense, mm-hmm. offense, whatever it may be. Just let's kind of get a feel for what they can provide us at the NHL level. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the goaltending, and you know, Elliot's been a trooper. He, he really has. And, you know, you, your hat's off to him. The guy's, what, 36 or 37. Mm-hmm. He looks like he, he just crushes a 12-pack after <laughs> uh, after every game. Like, he's, <laughs> he, he kills it. But, you know, he's not – realistically, I don't see him with the Flyers next year. Um, Lyon has proven – pretty consistently that he's he's just not our guy he's not going to be the future so i i'd be interested to see sandstrom uh make the move yeah we definitely know what we have in line he's a proven commodity and not in the best sense of that term um (laughs) but again you know there's worse options out there i like him as the ahl goalie i think that he has a lot to provide some of the younger kids coming up um but i don't want those kids to learn everything from Alex Lyon, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, we've seen what we've seen from Lyon, and, and I'm ready to move on. Yeah, like the Sandstrom move would be good. We've heard rumblings about a guy like Samuel Urson uh, potentially making the jump to North America next year, which would be great. Kirill Ustamenko will be back in the fold after his injury. You know, there are no shortage of options when it comes to goalies right now, and obviously Carter Hart will hopefully be 100% by the start of next year as well. Hopefully in better mindset, you can come out and prove why he is our franchise goalie. But all that's neither here nor there, because this week we have a topic to discuss that we've seen a lot of discussion about on Twitter, social media in general. I've seen a lot of back and forth about comparing two certain players and their career trajectories here. And we're talking Sean Couturier, the Flyers' number one center, and Nolan Patrick. You know, it's a discussion that people very vehemently either agree with or disagree with. There's really no in-between that I've seen, at least. Um, We're going to kind of present our little cases here. We're going to figure out kind of how they started when they came into the league, what the scouting reports were like when they were coming out for the draft, and where they are now. It's going to be an interesting discussion because, quite honestly, and I'm stalling because I don't really know where to start with this. Um, you know, in your in your perspective here, Matt. Overall, just before we get into it, like, is this a fair comparison to make? Just at face value. At, at face value, I would say yes, probably. I mean the the expectations for Nolan Patrick as the number two draft pick. Uh, in the NHL when the Flyers took him, you know, it, that comes with an enormous amount of responsibility and expectations. Um, you look at the player he is, at, that he was then, and he was like, he showed promise. He had, you know, I'm looking back, he had uh, 13 goals and, and uh, 17 assists, I think, in his first year. Um, and he was a plus one. Like, that's respectable for a rookie. And what I look at with Patrick is his trajectory. It was, and yes, he's had the head injury, and I, I do want to like put that into perspective as well. But of course, you know, Patrick went from, you know, okay, you're you're a young guy just cutting your teeth in the in the league. Year two, okay, you're a second line center. Ah, you didn't really make it as our second line center, and then the head injury happened, and then it's like, hey, guess what? We picked up um, Kevin Hayes. He's our second line center you're going to have a favorable matchup with your third line, uh, the third line center. And now I look at it today and I'm like, 
God, I hope Nolan Patrick isn't in the lineup. And that's like the trajectory of Nolan Patrick, at least in my mind. Um, with Sean Couturier, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Please finish your point. With Sean Couturier, I look at it and he came out and, you know, he was touted. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, this is a decade ago that mm-hmm. he, you know, premiered in, into the NHL. He was a defensive first specialist, and there's no doubt about you know his defensive specialty. But he showed year one that he could be an offensive force, um, and we can get into that in a little bit. But I wanted to get your thoughts as well on where you see that trajectory going. I think you brought up a good point in the favorable matchup mention there. Uh, leading into this season, we saw a lot of discussion and scuttlebutt about as a three C getting favorable matchups because we looked at Nolan Patrick and where. You know, barring the the migraine issue coming back up again, there were going to be some favorable matchups with him at three C, because we were we were well aware of his skill set. We were well aware of the type of player he could be. Um, the type of player he ended up being was far from that. So it did backfire in a sense. And now to your Couturier point, you're absolutely right. He came into this league being known as a defensive specialist. He was known for his defensive game. It was his strongest, the strongest part of his game. And now, you know, fast forward to now, you see him rounding out his offensive abilities. Uh, consistent 70-point seasons. This year, he's darn near a point-per-game player. Uh, last year, I believe he was as well. Like, you're starting to see that you started to see the steps, and now you're starting to see him not necessarily peak, but get to the level that you wanted him to be when it comes to mm-hmm. offense, you know, mm-hmm. you it's it's such a tough decision or it's such a tough discussion. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get my words out here. I swear, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a waiting game, you know, because look at Couturier and where he's at now and how long it took him. It, this is it took him to, to to until his seventh season to reach the type of player he is now. Mm-hmm. This is his. This is Nolan Patrick's third season. We don't have the time. We don't have four years to wait for him to round out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can get into the comparisons here real quick. Um, just kind of coming out of juniors, coming into the NHL. Let's talk about some of the scouting reports coming out on these guys. It's basically what we were just talking about. Everything that came out about Couturier, he's a big guy. He's strong. He's, he utilizes his size very well. And he's great on defense. You know, um, Matthias Strozik, I believe, I I probably butchered the pronunciation, elite prospect scout, (laughs) mentioned all of those things along with good speed, hard shooter, works hard in front of the net, great hands, and then obviously at the end, strong defensively. With Patrick, you see it flipped a bit, where you see the similarity in like a big body, strong, but you see more of the offensive parts to his game being magnified and being spotlighted. Because he was an offensive forward. That was his bread and butter. And he was damn good at it. So, right off the bat, you're talking apples to oranges here, in my opinion. What do you think? I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, Patrick wasn't brought on for, or what wasn't scouted on as his for his defensive abilities. Couturier was. Now, with that said, is you know, there, there's a you know, the great line in uh, in Moneyball where it's like, hey, we want five-tool players. You know, most guys have one or two tools and we can develop another one or two. 
Couturier had that defensive tool, and there's no doubt about it. But you look back, and one of the most memorable playoff series, in at least in my adult Flyers history, was the 2012 series against Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. which was one of the most entertaining yet the most horrific goaltending I've ever seen from both teams <laughs> in my entire life. That includes, like, you know, the bell of the ball right now, Mark andre Fleury, and then Ilya Brzezgalov, who was just horrific. But <sighs> I, it was game two, and I, I was in preparation for this. I watched this, you know, the, the highlights of this game. Couturier had a, had a natural hat trick, not an open, you know, yep. not an empty netter hat trick. And he was 19. He was a rookie. He, he was on a, 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 you know, you had... Voracek, you had Giroux, you had Talbot, you had Yager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had all, all these guys on here. But Couturier, as a 19-year-old, had a hat trick in a playoff game where they ended up winning 8-5 to five and including coming da- back from a two-goal deficit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's like, okay, yes, Couturier not only did that, but throughout that entire series, he shelled then, uh, Malkin. Like, Malkin was so pissed by the end of that series – that Couturier just knocked him down and just completely knocked him out of that series. That it, I mean, that was where we saw, like, oh, my God, this kid's a defensive wonder, but he's got the offensive flash as well. Mm-hmm. Flip it to Nolan Patrick. Has anybody ever been like, wow, what a defensive wonder? Absolutely <laughs> not. And, you know, they, there's no doubt about it. But offensively, even though their numbers, their first two-ish years are semi-comparable, I can't remember Nolan Patrick being memorable in one game that he's played. And, you know, that may be harsh and maybe I'm just getting old as I've now turned 40 that like, holy crap, I don't remember these games as well as I used to. But I don't remember Nolan Patrick at ever taking over a game like that. No, we've seen flashes in some plays. Like we've never seen a, a sheer dominant performance. We've seen the between the legs goals. We've seen the, the no look assists. Like we've seen things of that nature. But we've never seen a performance in a game and overall throughout that game like you were just saying with the natural hat trick in Sean Couturier's uh, first career playoff series. Not to mention, I remember, and I'll never forget this because I remember being just completely frustrated and just frankly pissed off watching behind the play Mulkin took Couturier down. He was so mad at the fact that Couturier was playing him so well. Took him down, drove his head into the ice. Like I remember watching this and thinking, "Are you bleeping kidding me?" Because like I get it, I understand. I'd be frustrated too, but good lord, like what an extreme measure to take from uh, yeah. Shrek. I mean Malkin. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? It, not not to totally go off on a tangent. The best, the best part of that series, in my mind, is that you know Pittsburgh being like the darlings of the NHL ever since the ever since the Crosby era and like rightly so they're talented we mm-hmm. we love to hate them blah 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 <laughs> but the fact that we brought them down to our level mm-hmm. and like got them so pissed and so scrappy taking cheap shots was just so delightful i yeah. mean there's nothing better than watching than watching the golden boy fall oh yeah it's incredible every single time i love watching sydney crosby lose but I almost love just as much watching his highlight reels because he's just that good. <laughs> um, but let's backtrack a bit here real quick to yep. their junior stats because we talked about it and touched on it shortly here. They do have comparable stats and you know points per game. We're looking at a guy like Couturier who in his draft year had 96 points in 58 games. You know, 96 points in 58 games is pretty fantastic. That's a 1.66 goals, or, uh, 
points per game. My, my apologies. In Nolan Patrick's draft year, it was cut short. Uh, there was a lingering sports hernia injury that he was dealing with. He only played 33 games, but in those 33 games, he notched 46 points. That's 1.39. Career-wise, it's uncanny. It's 1.21 points per game for Couturier, 1.26 for Patrick. You're looking at 223 points in 184 games for Couturier, 205 points in 163 games for Patrick. So, yes, Couturier played 21 more games. 21 more games in the grand scheme of things when you're talking almost 200. It's like, eh, you know, whatever. The offense was clearly there for both of these players. But, you know, they talked about, uh, I read up about, the season that Couturier had leading into the draft, he was noted to be great on the penalty kill. He had seven shorthanded points that year uh, for a Drummondville Voltigers team. And, you know, even the playoffs, we look, you know, every single year that Couturier was part of Drummondville, they made the playoffs. Patrick's last year with the Brandon Wheat Kings, they didn't make the playoffs. Now, yes, he was out. But, you know, looking just back at those stats for the draft year, like another comparison that you could make and say maybe the trajectories in line with each other here, right? I, I, I would say so. I mean, you know, numbers numbers don't lie and there's certainly circumstances that go with each. Um, you know, I, I think you just go in in that in, you know, juniors and, and in, you know, the, the lead up years to the NHL years of these great players – the reality is, is one, the goaltending isn't going to be goaltending is not going to be as good, and number two, um, you know, probably the team defense isn't going to be as good, and so you definitely have players that are offensively gifted able to flash, and that's what people are drafting, and like everybody kind of understands that, but you know, it, the numbers are are definitely there. Again, I don't know if um, you know, I don't know if Patrick was ever seen as a defensive anybody ever accused him of being a defensive great and i think that's how you as a 19 year old that is how unless unless you're an uncanny you know uncanny Connor mcdavid type player you know defensively if you're sound that's going to be the easier route to make an nhl team as a 19 or 20 year old um mm-hmm. so i don't know what, what's your take on all of it i think you're right i think you know we talk about building a foundation and when you think about it with forwards, obviously they're on the ice to score. They're on the ice to contribute to the stat sheet, put up goals, assist with those goals, whatever it may be. So that's going to happen. And that type of skill is going to be built upon. But when you have a defensive, um, when you have a defensive game so sound like Couturier's Mm -hmm. was, it's like a bonus. It's like, you know, you go to the Mm -hmm. vending machine, you get a bag of Doritos and then it's like, oh, man, a second one fell. You know, that, it's like jackpot. Or, or it was actually hot fire Doritos. Like, awesome. Ooh, exactly. <laughs> you know? But it, it's it's a plus because you don't draft a forward that high in the draft because, oh, he's going to be a, a shutdown guy. Like, typically those types of spots are meant for the guys that are going to put up goals or the defensemen that are going to be your, again, now because the league is shifting to offensive defensemen, guys like Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, you know, back then it might have been like, okay, we want more of a, a Drew Doughty or a Duncan Keith type that's going to be sound defensively but be able to join the rush when needed. Um, but, you know, with the foundation argument here, defense is 
is scarce, let's be honest. You know, this isn't a defensive game anymore. This is more about who's going to put up the points, who's going to score the goals. And, you know, we see it obviously with the Flyers this year. The goalies just continuously get left out to dry. Mm-hmm. So, but back then with Couturier, it's like you get a guy who is going to be eventually, we found out, good on the offensive side of the puck. But in the process, the entire way leading up to that seventh season where he broke out offensively, he was fantastic on defense. And it got them a playoff series win against I believe they they did not win. Yeah, they did win that series. I'm sorry. Against um, Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did win that one. Yeah. And so then it, they lost to New Jersey again yep. in the in the following yeah, that following I remember series. that. That first game I remember Briere scored that overtime goal. They scored the first one and then they called it back and then he scored it again. And I was like jumping yeah. out of my seat. I was in college. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is incredible. Um <laughs> But no, the foundation is there. Um and Maybe this is just me personally, uh, but I'd like to get your take on this as well. I feel as if with Elaine Vigneault, Chuck Fletcher as well to an extent, you're seeing them try and pigeonhole guys. Maybe not pigeonhole them, but like they're trying to mold them into a player that they're, they just aren't. They want the 200-foot player. They don't need a flashy goal scorer. They don't need a guy who's going to put up 50 goals a year. But they want somebody who's sound on both ends of the ice. And to Nolan Patrick's, you could say, discredit, that's not him. Mm-hmm. I, and I look at – I was thinking about this last night, and you know we're recording this on Sunday, so we just watched the Flyers lose again to <laughs> the Devils uh, on Saturday night. But actually, the, the Flyers played pretty well offensively, at least in the first part of the game. They didn't get some bounces their way, blah, 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 like whatever. We've heard that all season. But actually, Nolan Patrick didn't look bad. Like, he was he was looking decent. And it got me thinking of, is this guy just in the wrong system? Is, he, is the Elaine Vigneault system just not right for him? Um but then I went back and I was like, okay, this isn't the only coach he's, he's, he's played with for the Flyers. But, you know, the Vigno system is very defensive first. It is hard on the forecheck. It is, you know, very dis- defensively sound um, when it is working. We have not seen it work this year in any way, shape, or form. And so to let somebody like Patrick, who is a very – he clearly has offensive skills – but doesn't have the the defensive responsibility that I think he's probably learning. Um, mm-hmm. And right now, neither of them are working together. And so it's like, you know, you have one guy, you know, he's trying to do two different jobs. And he's doing neither of them correctly at this point in time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it may be a system thing. I think it may be a culture thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is what we're going to get to, but I, I don't know if he's going to be here uh, come a month from now. Um, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see how that's going to benefit either party at this point. And it's absolutely fair. I mean, you think of everything that's being discussed right now with the fact that this team needs an overhaul. They need either a change in culture. They need just, you know, that number one defenseman. They need more scoring wingers, whatever it may be. In either instance it just doesn't seem that nolan patrick fits that mold or he's going to fit into the team and the way they're going to be next year 
Because think mm-hmm. about it. Right now he's playing for $700,000 a year. Fantastic. If he were to be playing up to potential. Like, that could have been an absolute steal of a contract. He's not. And now it's basically $700,000 of dead money because he's mm-hmm. been atrocious. And now he's going to go into, I believe, restricted free agency. So he's going to be a restricted free agent again. What are you supposed to do? Do you try and bring him back and say, oh, well, maybe he'll blossom again? Like, you already bet that. You already bet on that, and it didn't play out in your favor. Do you have the time? Is there patience within the fan base, within upper management, to say, okay, let's give the guy one more year. Let's see what we can do. If they're looking to bring in that top pair defenseman for Provorov, what's Patrick going to cost? Is it going to inhibit them from being able to do so? You know... I'm not going to lie and say that I can't see him back in the Flyers system next year because I think there's a way to do it, and I think it might actually happen. I'm not going to say I agree with it, though. I, You know, the the only thing that may bring him back is if he has a comparable contract, which I don't know if he's going to be able to do, but he is not warranted anything above 700000 And, like... You know, we're talking about that like it's peanuts, which is, you know, which is crazy. But, like, he is, at this point, he is a fourth-line winger some some games. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's a $700,000 player. That's what you deserve. If he thinks he's better than that, he is certainly not shown it. And, you know, in a contract year, like, you know, that's the, that's the way the chips fall. Um if the Flyers can reach a deal with him at that level, I think it's okay. But I think you also have to look at the cultural fit. Mm-hmm. And the one point that I wrote down here is um, competitiveness. And that is back to the original conversation at hand with Couturier and Patrick. Is I don't see any sort of competitiveness or any sort of fire in Nolan Patrick's eyes ever. And again, I hope it's not like a medical thing because of the the migraines and stuff like that. And in which case, I'm sorry, like, you know, preemptive, sorry on that. But the lack of competitiveness, he never gets pissed. He never drops the gloves. He never like, you know, takes a shot at somebody. He never shows that competitiveness that really drives people who have skill to actual greatness um, is the one thing, the one element that I really see, you know, separating those two players. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, you just see a guy out there that's going through the motions at this point. And is that the type of guy you want to bring back? Is that the type of, you know, culture that you're trying to facilitate and say, it's okay if you do that for the year because, you know, oh, COVID, no big deal. It's it's a shortened season, whatever. That's – it gets into a larger discussion with the culture of this team. You know, if – you were to somehow be assured that Nolan Patrick was going to come back next season, give it his all game in and game out and become the player that you thought he was going to be when you drafted him number two overall. Sure. Absolutely. $700,000 money well spent. We don't know that. And he hasn't indicated by his actions that that's going to happen. So it's a major risk, you know, price tag involved with that. I wouldn't say maybe major risk. Nonetheless, you know, it, it's. I hate to say. It, it, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. I, you know, I wish we were joking around on Twitter the other the other day about you know Dan Carcillo, and <laughs> you know, 
you know, the guy that Carl called car bomb. And I remember I was like, I don't know, in my early twenties, my parents were living in Arizona. My dad, my grandfather, and I went to a coyotes game when Parcilla was playing there. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy, he must've been a rookie or two years in. I was like, this guy's friggin' he's all over the place. He's going up. Then he got kicked out of the game. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's me. And then when like <laughs> the Flyers picked him up a couple years later, I was like, yes, I saw this guy play in person. He's the man. Mm-hmm. And like, look, Carcillo played a role. He was unstable at best. Like the guy mm-hmm. was, you know, completely off his rocker, but it's like, I wish God, Patrick just had a little bit of that, just a little injection, you know, a, a little, uh, you know, a little COVID shot of, <laughs> of uh, Carcillo in his, in his arm to drive some some competition in the kid. It's that energy. It's that just sense of basically looking like you want to be there. Like, And we haven't mm-hmm. seen that from Nolan Patrick. With Dan Carcillo, it was never in question. Even guys like Aaron Asham. Like, I remember looking at tape of him playing right. against Montreal in the 2010 playoffs. And for, you know, the label that he garnered, he was a goon, essentially – the guy had some skill, and I was surprised by a lot of the plays. Like, he had some incredible chances on net that he created. So, like, the thing mm-hmm. is with that, Nolan Patrick has the size comparable to Asham and Carcillo, but he also has the the skill to the nth degree of what those guys had. You know, because Carcillo was never a goal scorer. He was never a playmaker. Asham... He really wasn't either, although he would show glimpses, but he got, again, pigeonholed into that type of role. But with Patrick, it's the fact that we saw him put up 102 points when he was, what, 17 years old with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Like, where is that Nolan Patrick? Where is that Nolan Patrick that wants to be there night in and night out and wants to compete and play and play his best? And we haven't really seen that. You could argue maybe his rookie year, his sophomore year maybe as well. But it also speaks to the stagnancy in his stats because 30 points his first year, 31 his second. Yes, his third didn't happen because of the migraine issues. There was really no um, no growth in his game. Mm-hmm. You know, you could argue that, yeah, well, he looked better. Like, okay, but I also saw people clamoring about the basics. You know, oh, Nolan Patrick had a great shift. You know, great dump there. He avoided a player in the neutral zone. Uh, The simple things that everyday hockey players can do. And we're applauding this guy for doing those. When in in reality, we should be like, why isn't this guy using that elite-level vision that was so highly touted coming out of juniors and carrying that puck into the zone, creating a chance for the team to score, as opposed to just saying, okay, I'm going to dump it in. That's the end of my my shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you look at Patrick and just the energy and the effort, and he, he just doesn't, even if he's not scoring, he's not helping make the plays happen one way or the other. And, you know, if you look, Again, bringing it back to the original point, if you look at Couturier, even in his younger years, some of his best plays were assists. And, like, that's that's awesome. And, like, God knows we have enough guys who are, you know, great assist guys on this team at this point. We need actual goal scorers. And if you, you know, back to the point of, hey, this might not be, you know, we're trying to make this guy into a player. He's not like, we need a goal scorer. And if Nolan Patrick is not a goal scorer, we need to go find somebody who at least can make plays and help those goal scorers score, or at least is defensively sound. Right now, he's not he's not filling any of those needs. 
Yeah, he's neither of those. And it's a shame because he was that coming out of juniors, you know. Mm-hmm. But we get to the point where, you know, we've seen Couturier in his earlier years, what he brought to the table. To you, and I want your opinion on just this altogether, what has Patrick showed us now, like with these comparisons that people are drawing and the trajectory and this and that, you know, you know the discussion. What has Patrick showed us that equates himself to what Couturier has showed us early on in his career? Like, is there anything that you could pinpoint and say, that's why people are making this comparison? Um, I would say, number one, it's the size. Um, you know, they're both a uh, uh, similar height. I think, uh, you know, I have their, their official stats up right now, but you know, Couturier is 6'3", 211. Patrick is 6'2", 198. Um, okay. So it's like, okay, they're, they're, they're similar, similar in that respect. They were both studs and juniors, um, as you have you as you have listed out, um, and you know you look at the stats of the first couple of years. And granted, the second year of Couturier's uh, career was a lockout year, so mm-hmm. it, it was not a great year. It had four goals, eleven assists, it was a minus eight. Um, you know, you and then you look at the following year, it was the 2013-2014. He was thirteen goals, twenty six assists, and a plus one. So, like, let's take those two years and then compare them to Patrick's first two years, which was Patrick had year one, 13 goals, 17 assists, plus one. Year two, 13 goals, 18 assists, minus eight. And then this year, you look at it, four goals, five assists, a minus 23. A minus 23 is like, I mean, that's tough to do. That's big yikes. (laughs) And so... You know, again, it's you, you threw the chips in on an offensive player. You didn't get the offense. Also, can't play defense with Couturier. You threw the chips in on a defensive player. It paid off, and then he also got the added value of the offense. Um, and so, I think that that's that's in in my mind where the comparison stops. There's some similarities in the numbers the first couple of years, and yes, you can always play the the wait and see. Mm-hmm. This year is not a wait and see year. Um, this is a this is a blow it up kind of year, and I do think we have skill with Giroux and Boracek, JVR, Hayes. Hopefully, he snaps out of whatever the hell he's been doing. Um, but you know that quote unquote core. I think one of them is going to be traded away at some point uh, during during this offseason or, or moved during this offseason. I don't think we're going to see this same kind of team uh, in there, and I definitely don't think you're going to see the lackadaisical kind of mentality that you saw with Nolan Patrick all year. Well, I sure hope not. I mean, it, it got to the point where, you know, I constantly had to fend off people from the, the, the Twitter account because I'm like, Nolan Patrick's bad, you know, just observations, because let's be honest, he's been bad, and the apologists mm-hmm. come out in full force, uh, well, da 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 and I'm like, listen, like I get it, you know, I'm... I'm rooting for him because he's a part of the Flyers. I don't want anybody on the Flyers to do bad. But the fact remains, he has been playing bad. And it's like, you got to call the guy out. You got to call a spade a spade at some point, you know? Nobody wants him to succeed more than the fan base. Like, it's like, hey, if he he does well, like, that's awesome. Even if we have a crap year, like, I'm okay. It's like, okay, we saw progress with this guy we have not seen progress with him um and yeah it's you know the, the migraine stuff it sucks it's brutal and like we can always play the what could have been but the reality is is 
this is a business. It's not a charity. And like in order to make money, you need to put butts in the seats, which will happen next year. And mm-hmm. by that doing that, you need to put a good product on the ice, which like right now, thank God there's only 3000 people uh, allowed in, in, in the Wells Fargo center or whatever they're calling it. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's not a good product, but they need to make moves in the off season to get people excited uh, to get butts in seats in October. And to your first point there, you talk about the frustration with it. Like, I think the frustration stems from the fact that Flyers fans want Nolan Patrick to do well. So when he's not doing well, that's what makes us frustrated. Because we know the type of player that he is. We've seen the numbers that he put up. His first two years, they weren't terrible. Like, they weren't bad years. We wanted him to build on that. And yes, he gets a mulligan of sorts, if you want to call it that. But... He's played a majority of these games this year, and you haven't seen any type of improvement, and that's where the frustration sets in. That's when the fans are saying, hey, I'm fed up because I'm seeing the same thing night in and night out. There's no drive. There's no fire. This guy does not look like he wants to be here. So that's why people are frustrated. Like I get you know, some people just have it out for him. Some people just don't like him. They don't like him, though, because of what they're seeing. And that's kind of where I stand. Like, I like the guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. I want him to do well because he's wearing an orange and black sweater. But he's not doing well. So, you know, he kind of falls on my you-know-what list. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, another comparison that we're we're not making here, and I, you know, just going back to high draft picks, Mm -hmm. who's the only other number two draft pick that we have on this roster right now. And it's James Van Rien's thing. Mm-hmm. And you look at JVR's early years and he wasn't exactly a fan favorite. He was always fine, but he was that like big, almost like nineties kind of 1980s, nineties, you know, power forward kind of guy mm-hmm. who was kind of a power forward. And I think he's grown into that. And with his time in Toronto and then this year we saw what he, could be he just wasn't that for the entire year mm-hmm. but i see like you know looking at that expectation that you had for jbr coming out uh as the number two pick it's unfair like it's completely unfair for a mm-hmm. kid that age to have that level and because everybody's expecting like oh my god he's going to be patrick kane oh my god he's going to be Connor mcdave like it's <laughs> like no that's not the case and there are times where it's just sometimes it's just not a fit um so I don't know. Is there is there any comparison to the expectations that you see on that level uh, with JBR and and, and uh, Nolan? Well, first off, we should have gotten Patrick Kane. That draft is rigged, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> but, no, but I mean, to an extent, yeah, I, I see it. But like, you see how JBR's career played out and what happened early on with the Flyers and how he got traded to the Leafs. The Flyers had a plethora of offensive options, you know, at that time. And I say plethora, I mean like to the point where somebody somewhere thought the JVR was expendable. So they sent him for defensive help because they needed help on the blue line. We got Luke Shen out of it. And I think that deal is the thing that that soured everybody on JVR. Because it's like, man, we got this guy and he was a former, you know, first round pick. Should have came in, solidified the blue line. And he didn't. He played, not terrible, but like he wasn't the value we expected in return for a former number two overall pick. 
Then you go see him blossom somewhere else in Toronto. You know, completely just fantastic goal scorer. Played on the line with Kessel for a while. And then he comes back. And then at the beginning of this year, he has a great year. He's one of the top scorers in the league. He's performing just wonderfully. And it's like, what could have been? What like if he would have mm-hmm. stayed with the Flyers during those prime years of his, you know, what could the Flyers have achieved if they'd have had that goal score as opposed to all these playmakers? But like, what would they have done? You know, if maybe they'd have gotten a better deal for Shen, if they wouldn't have traded him as a throw, mm-hmm. not a throw-in, but like him and what was it, LeCavalier for Jordan Wheel? You know, it's it's so difficult to gauge. But it's such a year is worth tough, man. Like, (laughs) just we get into such a cluster, you know what? That it's like, man, like we're going down this rabbit hole, and I'm just having it's PTSD. It's like, oh god. (laughs) But it's it's fair though. A former number two overall pick that kind of, you know, I think his name soured a bit in Philadelphia, but not to the extent that Nolan Patrick's has, because. Mm You know, again, I was young when when JVR was drafted, so I, I can't sit here and pretend that I know what the expectations were like amongst the fan base. Twitter wasn't around, which is probably a good thing. Um, but with the age of social media being incorporated into now and how things were perceived when Nolan Patrick was drafted number two, it's like these expectations just keep getting heaped on this kid. Is it unfair? You could argue, sure. But mm-hmm. look at... There, there's plenty of number two overall picks that panned out and were great for the teams that drafted them. So, you know, we expected that. Flyers fans expected Nolan Patrick to be able to hit the ice running, or skating for that matter, and be able to contribute right away. And he just, now at least, it's stalled out. And so, you know, transitioning it too in the comparison, which I know we wanted to make, is like, who is the supporting cast around him? Um and, you know, looking at those, you know, th- those two players back to Couturier and to Patrick is, you know, who is the competition around them? And has Patrick just simply not been pushed hard enough in order to uh, to make the difference and to create the competitive fire that we think is needed to help complement his skills? You bring up a fantastic point. Because this is one of the points that I brought up, and I, I want I wanted this to be the discussion that I'm sure it's going to end up being, because this is where the meat is. You know, Paturier came in in 2011-2012, where his main competition as centers on the team were Danny Briere, Braden Shen, and Max Talbot. Now, to an extent, you could argue Ronaldo. I believe he played a lot of wing as opposed to, but he was a fourth liner. Talbot could push for the third line, but was typically the fourth line guy as well. Couturier was slotted as the 3C initially because that's where he fit. He was too skilled to be a fourth liner, not skilled enough to surpass a guy like Danny Briere. So you have to battle these guys. Like this, this was something that, you know, Braden Shen, yes, he's much better now. Back with the Flyers, like he wasn't fantastic, but he was young promising they put him in a position to succeed and he succeeded enough to garner the trade that he did when we traded with st louis to get the picks to draft Farabee and i believe it was frost um so that was his competition coming in look at 
Patrick's competition. If you want to take this away, please, by all means. I mean, you know the names here, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so we have, looking at it this year, we have Giroux. Mm -hmm. We have Couturier. And so those are, you know, those are great ones in there. And then what do you, I mean, you have Hayes coming in. Um, but who was who was 2017, 2018? Who did he have uh, in, in year one? Get ready. Because this right. is a doozy. A few doozies, really. Um, <laughs> your number one center was Sean Couturier, obviously, 2017. <laughs> your number two center was Valtteri Filpola. <laughs> God damn it. Your number three center, and this... It was kind of wishy-washy when he get to the bottom six, but you had Scott Lawton as well, even though he did play a lot on the wing. <laughs> These next two guys, Yori Laterra and Jordan Wheel. <laughs> so think about this for a second. In, in, a, in the grand scheme of things, Danny Briere, Sean Couturier, somewhat similar you know, stat-wise at least. Obviously, Sean Couturier is about three feet taller. Um, second line, Valtteri Filpula, Braden Shen. I'm taking Shen 11 out of 10 times there. Third line, mm-hmm. Scott Lawton. And then, obviously, Sean Couturier back in 2011 as well. Um, Yori freaking Laterra. <laughs> and Jordan freaking Wheel. <laughs> I mean, what Wait, competition did, did they existed? Did up in Montreal? Uh, they, did they both end up in Montreal? Wheel did. Wheel ended up in Montreal, to my knowledge. And Yori Laterra, I believe, I, he's in the KHL. And either at the beginning of this year or last year, he was absolutely tearing it up. Like, I can't believe it. He was one of the points leaders in the KHL at that time. I think it was last season. And it blew my mind because I'm like, where was this Yuri Laterra when he played for the Flyers? But then I remembered, <laughs> okay, he was running a cocaine ring. Okay, that's you know, that's that's, right. that's why he was preoccupied. Because look at his contract; he was making four and a half million dollars, which is great money. But you know, maybe he got used to the lavish lifestyle. I don't know, and he needed a little side cash. <laughs> now we know where he got all that energy, at the very least. You know? Right? Um... What energy? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, look, it, you you can't compare the two, and you know you also look at the circumstances of that 2011-12 team that Couturier was part of. They were coming off of a Stanley Cup run, you know, s season. Pronger gets knocked out that year, I think, and Pronger was a, a force uh, on mm-hmm. there. And then you have Patrick join that 2017-2018 team, and yes. Giroux is the consistent. I know that he's gotten a lot of flack, but actually, man, Giroux, Giroux's been the one player, and I'm like, God damn. Like, <laughs> God damn, Claude Giroux. Wait, like, way to go. Like, you're still going. Um, and then you have Couturier, who was still, you know, still doing well, and then your bottom six is just is hot garbage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for Patrick to come in and just say, and they were basically like, hey, buddy, you're a three C here you go. Here, mm-hmm. here's the position. You know, we, we, we look forward to great things from you. Um, you know, that's, that's tough to go into. And, you know, you look at, again, back to that 2012 team, it's like you had Talbot. He was a Stanley cup winner at that point with Pittsburgh. 
Um, and he, he was on there, you know, a, a great veteran who can move up and down. You had Ronaldo who was like, you know, unstable at best. The guy was a, you know, a, a, a missile. He was like a, a varsity version of, uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel. Um, but then you also had guys like Matt Reed, who I think mm-hmm. was like, you know, he could transition in and out, but he was, he could play center. He was on the penalty kill. Like, you know, he was doing all those things as well. I just don't think you had the level of um, look, the level of competition for Patrick just simply was not there. And this was the Flyers just saying, all right, we got this number two. He's going to be our guy. Let's 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 go all in with it. And it just hasn't worked. And you got to think back too to those years where you look at the top line and Michael Roffel was playing on the top line for a period of time around that time. So that right there speaks volumes to the type of team that the Flyers had put together under Dave Haxall. So the mm-hmm. level of competition, clearly, it tilts the scales in the favor of Sean Couturier right there. Is it bad that I already forgot Dave Haxall's name? I was trying to remember, like, hey, the other coach that was on there. I was like, oh, yeah, now it's Dave Haxall. That's right. It's a good thing, and I feel bad for even bringing it back up, so I apologize for that. No. Um so to kind of try to put a cap on this and to maybe pick a side here, I guess we could say, when you're going to compare Sean Couturier and his career trajectory to Nolan Patrick and his career tra- trajectory, good Lord, I'm having trouble speaking tonight. If you're going to compare the two career trajectories, is it fair to Nolan Patrick to hold him to that standard? Or is it even fair to Sean Couturier to compare Nolan Patrick to his. I think if you were doing this conversation leading into their, into Nolan Patrick's rookie year, you would have said, yes, it's fair to compare them. Seeing what we saw from Sean Couturier, his first year and the spark that he brought and the defensive shutdown capability and the 200 foot player that he's now compared to Patrice Bergeron, for God's sakes, like, you know, the fact that he's a Selkie trophy winner, um, no, it's not a fair comparison. Um, it, it, it's, I think they're two different players in two very different circumstances, and I don't put it on them necessarily. It's a shame that Nolan Patrick hasn't had the time to blossom and the time to bloom, and we certainly hope he does. Again, I just don't see it happening in the future in Philadelphia. No, and that's the biggest sticking point, I think, for me, is the fact that, yes, Nolan Patrick could blossom into something either equal to or better than Sean Couturier, but it's not going to be here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a damn shame, because the expectations heaped on him were great, and you know we had all these high hopes for him, but you bring him into the situation that you brought him into, where there was really... Nobody pushing him to be better. You know, are you going to expect a guy like Yuri Letera or even Jordan Wheel to push him for that 3C spot? And it's like, yeah, he could overtake Philpola, but, you know, apparently Dave Haxtell just had his mind made up. That's how the lineup was going to look every night. And thank God he's gone. Um, Sean Couturier has that drive. He has that passion. He has that fire that you just don't see from Nolan Patrick. And I think there could be other factors that, you know, come into play with that. But the fact remains that this comparison to me, at least is 
just kind of dead in the water. I don't, I really don't mm-hmm. see it. Uh, unfortunate as it is, just is what it is, you know? Well, let me ask you this. This may blow your mind, but how do you, so by this rationale, is Sean Couturier doing his role as a veteran to push younger players? I mean, you did blow my mind there, so I'm going to have to gather my thoughts. Uh, but we'll tackle it, this next it, week. It's a No, it's a very fair question. And you've got to look at the leadership group and who you consider. Because, yes, your captain is Claude Giroux, and that's kind of his job. But Couturier does fall under that umbrella. What are you supposed to do? Like, I mean, as a 1C, you're the guy. You know, you're the first-line center. That's one of the premier, if not the premier, position in hockey. Are you supposed to try to take this guy under your wing? What if he doesn't want to be under your wing? What if he just doesn't want to be receptive to the advice that you're offering? Is it a mindset of Patrick's? Has Couturier exhausted all options? Like, there's so many factors. But, like, sure, you could sit here and say that Couturier needs to do more to try to push him. But... Think of the impact that the Kevin Hayes signing had on Nolan Patrick during a year where he was battling a migraine disorder. Like, to me, at least, if I'm Nolan Patrick and I see that happen, I'm like, this franchise doesn't have any faith in me, so why should I go out there and do my best? Like, aside from earning another contract, it's like, I know what I'm capable of. I can go out there on a a cheap deal and I can just blow the doors off the place and get another big contract either where I'm at or somewhere else it's it's almost like Patrick has his mind made up that this is how things are going to go down in Philadelphia so that I can get out and go somewhere else, be happy, and do my thing there. Mm-hmm. We, we look forward to seeing him in Phoenix, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that'll, <laughs> oh, Lord. Be, a, that'll be a blast. <laughs> Seattle's open for business. They're officially an NHL franchise, so, you know, trades could go down. We don't know. We'll see. Look, w- what, what, what I've heard, and, you know, again, this is just, you know, totally unsubstantiated resources, is that Flyers may try to trade his negotiating rights to somebody. Um, so they're still going to try to get something for Patrick. But from all indications, I just I, I don't think he's going to be here. I mean, Kevin Hayes was a proven commodity to an extent, and he got a fifth-round pick for negotiating rights. Like, what do you think Nolan mm-hmm. Patrick's going to get? Because he's an unproven commodity. Yeah, it's. I I understand that mindset and that train of thought, and I agree with it. You want to get something, but like, to what cost? You know, a seventh round pick. Share, share your share your Netflix sign in, and uh, yeah. that's like, hey man, can I have your elite prospects login so I can you know see the stats of these guys and the the courses and this and that. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's you know if you look at it as a bargaining chip in general, it could be could be something that's thrown on top. And I'm not saying specifically with Seattle, but it's like, hey, well, let's throw in, uh, you know, negotiating rights for this guy who doesn't fit in our lineup anymore. It's a sweetener, and I think that might be the best route to take because if you're going to make a trade, I mean, it wasn't we didn't really bring it up, but like just general observation, like the free agent market isn't very heavy on what the Flyers need right now, so. Trade route might be the way to go, and maybe mm-hmm. Nolan Patrick's that little bit that gets them over the hump and gets a deal done. You know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, you know, we we definitely don't wish the guy harm, but um, you know, wish him luck. Of course, elsewhere. 
Of course. You know, we hope he goes somewhere on the West Coast so that he doesn't hurt the Flyers until the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> yeah, he's have a hat trick in the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, just shoot me. God. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think that, you know, we had some great dialogue tonight. This is a great discussion. Uh, I've been chomping at the bit, really, to talk about this because I see it all the time and I'm like, do I bite my tongue because I really just don't want to deal with the people on Twitter that are going to castrate me for my opinion about it? But, like, this is a good way to talk about it and really have somebody else open up some dialogue and be able to discuss, you know, these trajectories and whether they're fair or not with within the comparisons. Yeah, definitely. It, it was definitely a good conversation to have. And, you know, the, the Twitter's no shortage of, uh, of random conversation topics. This is one I can't buy into. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we can see hindsight in 2020 with Couturier and, you know, just holding up the Selkie Award, uh, you know, like like a backstage pass from Wayne's World. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a tough comparison to make. Uh, but only, you know, we could be sitting here, you know, hopefully in, in uh, five years looking back and, you know, we'll do this, uh, the Revisit podcast and be like, oh, my God, we were idiots. Look at Nolan, Nolan Patrick. Uh, <laughs> hey, the league MVP. Wow. Make me eat my words. I, I'd be happy just because the guy went and succeeded somewhere else. But uh, right, right. to that point, this becomes the close of the show. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you, can you let the listeners know where they're going to be able to find you on your social media platforms here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, find me on Twitter at IonOrange. It's E-Y-E on Orange. And, um, you know, doing the doing the game previews till the till the bitter end. And uh, <laughs> it's bitter. So let me let me tell you. But uh, th- thanks for everybody for uh, for reading. The more bitter this season gets, though, I feel like the previews get even better. So, like, I'm enjoying it because it's, like, just... The anger is seething out of my fingertips uh, I can when feel I write it. it. I can feel it when I'm reading it. And I'm just like, this is fantastic. <laughs> I almost wish the Flyers would do worse and worse and worse and worse so that these previews keep getting just better and better. But <laughs> but uh, you can find me on Twitter at PodStreetBob. Yes, John wasn't a part of the show tonight, but you can find him on Twitter at PodStreetGove. You can find the PodStreetBullies on Twitter at PodSTBullies. Check out the website, like Matt alluded to. You can find his previews, all of our written work, PodSTBullies.com. As far as this podcast go, I'm sure you're listening to us on some sort of, to quote John here, I feel like I'm just bringing him up too much. I need to let it go. I'm like a bitter ex-girlfriend here. <laughs> You can find us on all those lovely podcast receptacles, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher, CastBox. You can find us really anywhere that you want to search us. John's favorite is PodMuncher. No new deals this week. But I will leave you this week as I have always left you with a Let's Go Flyers. Let's Go Flyers. We miss you, John. Do we, though? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.